Welcome to the Sus Talk Podcast. I'm Susumu Araki, and we are continuing our series of NFL Divisional Previews. This time, we will be breaking down the AFC North. And joining me again is my buddy, Johnny Jackson. Johnny, thank you so much for talking with me again. Thanks for having me again. Let's knock out this AFC North. It's a tough division, and uh, I'm ready to get down to it. Just like before, we are going to look at four essentials for every team in this division. We will be looking for the main storyline, their subplots, a fantasy player we should be focusing on, and whether they'll hit their win total. Let's start with the Bengals. Win total, 5.5. And the biggest question in the room has got to be, how hype, how much hype will be materialized with Joe Burrow? Because... Joe Burrow had quite possibly one of the greatest college football seasons a quarterback could ever have. He gets the number one overall pick. He comes back home to Ohio. And now he is looked on as the savior of Cincinnati. Johnny, I remember you had some doubts on Joe Burrow heading into the draft. Do you still have doubts now? I still do, but uh, I think I'm slowly being proven wrong. Uh You've seen reports out of camp, and he's doing some great things. The teammates on both sides of the ball are really just giving him praise like no other. Like, he's the best thing in Cincinnati and forever, you know. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think my biggest critique was he's an older quarterback, and not many older quarterbacks eventually have gold jackets at the end of their career because they're so older, and they don't really – have that ceiling anymore like he's already there I, I feel like and it's only a decline from then so uh but we'll see we'll see I think Joe Burrow is, is gonna prove a lot of people wrong again and uh the Bengals have a lot of weapons around that if they can stay healthy uh he's a, he has a, a nice chance of success early though what I love about Joe Burrow and, and we I've talked about this with almost everybody in in at least like in sports media wise is that the dude is so great at just placing the ball where the receivers want it. He's so awesome at just making the necessary throws, and he understands like what his what his receivers need. It, it's so awesome to see that. And plus, the swagger that he has, the confidence that he exuded in LSU, really kind of sticks with you. It's like one of those things that just resonates with you. And you felt it, like the, every game and every pressurized situation he was in, the dude was just on point. He never let the moment overtake him. He always was in control. And when you have someone with that much confidence, and he has this much swagger, and he underst- and he has the charisma necessary to just like take the moment and then run with it. It's just so awesome to see that. And this is the the Bengals have never really had the last time they had this the hope at quarterback was really Carson Palmer. And this I think for them like I think this time they may have hit on somebody that could definitely help them prosper for another decade. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think he possessed all the tools that a seasoned uh, franchise quarterback has already. Maybe, you know, some quarterbacks, like you're still waiting on Baker, you're still waiting on Darnold to take that next step. I think Burrow is already at that level where his mechanics are clean. You don't need to worry about that. His footwork is clean. You don't need to worry about that. He can get out the pocket. He can alter his uh, arm slot when he throws. I think there's a lot of uh, positives with Joe Burrow coming out. Um and I think he's going to make an impact day one. Uh, there is some, I guess, some some downside to, to Joe Burrow sometimes where uh, he, he doesn't look like he has the best arm strength. You know, I don't think he's going to throw deep bombs like Mahomes or Josh Allen. I also don't think he's going to uh, be as accurate all the time. But I think, like you said, he makes the smart plays. I think he reads defenses really well. And his poise in the pocket and, like you said, swagger. I, I think Joe – the Bengals got a great quarterback right now. Like that, there's no second guessing who, if they starting, you know, when Dalton was there or the backups. There's no question. It's Joe Burrow time. Uh, he has the weapons. The line is almost fixed. Uh, they're getting back Jonah Williams, their first round pick from last year. So I, I think uh, Joe Burrow's in a great position to succeed. 
what I think is really awesome, and I think this is going to be a subplot for this season, is this is really the first time we're going to see Zach Taylor implement his offense into the season. Because last year was a lame duck season. There was really nothing else he could have done. And the Bengals were just so putrid to the point where I just feel like teams just don't know exactly what to expect out of a Zach Taylor offense. This is a guy that has come from, is the first disciple of the Sean McVay offense. And now he's bringing what he, Sean McVay taught him over to Cincinnati. And that makes gets me excited because you look at, you mentioned all the weapons that they had. They have, they still have Joe Mixon, who's one of the better running backs in all of football. They have Tyler, Tyler Boyd. I always keep like forgetting like if it's Tyler Boyd or Taj, Taj Boyd or whatever Tyler his Boyd. name is. <laughs> it's Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. There we go. I'm I'm dumb. And the return of AJ Green, who you know, yes, he's been injured on and off again, but he's still if he's healthy, this guy is a top twenty receiver, hands down. And you see what could happen with someone as capable as Joe Burrow. Could you imagine what kind of offense that Zach Taylor is cooking up right now? He must be giddy just getting ready to just fool defenses this year with, with what he has in yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, if, looking at the death part right now, uh, if it's just on paper, you have A.J. Green, a healthy A.J. Green, yes, is a top 20 wide receiver, maybe 15, maybe 10 at his peak. Uh, Tyler Boyd came on strong last year. Uh, Auden Tate, and you know, I just realized that Auden is really, uh, if you look at the, the uh, periodic table, it's really golden. Like, so the NFL, we have two golden Tates, but uh, Auden Tate is another great receiver that stepped in for AJ Green. And the, I guess the man of mystery, man, like, I wish we really have seen a healthy John Ross. Like, John Ross in 2017 was one of my favorite running backs. I think he can really wide receivers. Yeah. You mean wide he was, receiver? He was really like take the top off a of defense kind of wide receiver. Like he would just go and he had good hands. I feel like uh, the injuries, the hamstring, the lower body injuries really just delayed him. So uh, I'm hoping that he came back. I know he had a little COVID delay because he just had a baby and things like that. Um, he's back at camp and I know it's going to take a few weeks for him to get uh, back in the shape and football shape. But uh I'm really excited to see this offense. Um, the defense, I think, uh, just took a hit with Trey Waynes. I believe he tore his pec, so he's going to probably be out the season. Um, but free agency, they invested a lot on, on their defense, just like I think uh, Miami did. So um, I, I think the, the team in Zach Taylor is just going to have to just say, okay, can Joe lead us there? Um, they, they're kind of giving him pieces, and I think in the future – it's just going to get better, but for next year, their win total, you said, is five and a half. Oh, I, I'm looking at more than that. On defense, notably, they they signed DJ Reader from the Houston Texans, and there's one more re- receiving threat you never you forgot to mention, and it was T. Higgins. Like, imagine what he could do lined up opposite. Like, let's say AJ Green can't is not healthy again. At least the Bengals this time they have four to five wide receivers ready to go at any moment. Like Tyler Boyd is their main slot receiver. John Ross, if he's healthy, he's their main like speedster that on the, on the perimeter. AJ green is that all around guy. And then you have a cap- someone as capable as on and Tate. And then we haven't even discussed T Higgins who comes from Clemson. And this is a guy that could potentially, if, no, AJ agreed. Is this is like his final season? This is the fu- this guy could be the future for this for this team. What do you look at in T Higgins? Oh, T Higgins. I think he possesses a lot of. Uh, he's a great possession receiver. Um, I guess ended the college season. He kind of worried me with his lower body injuries. Um, when he was taken high in the second round over, you know, like uh, Michael Pittman, I, I kind of was like, ah, eh, but I can see it though. I think T Higgins has a. Uh, Great size, great hands, um, breakaway speed a little bit, and I think he's really crisp on uh, his route running. So um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I don't think he's going to take A.J. Green's spot this year, maybe next. Uh, Tyler Boyd is their slot receiver uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, Maybe he could steal some snaps from John Ross, but I really think that uh, T. Higgins, it's just – He's growing into it. I haven't seen anything out of camp yet that he's really, like, killing competition because 
the Bengals have some solid wide receivers, McKenzie Alexander, William Jackson, but I I don't see it yet, you know. But I think T. Higgins is is definitely a red zone threat, and I think um they they got a good pick there. I'm, I I feel like it was a little reach, but I think it's a good pick. Let's go to our fantasy spotlight because let's stay up with the wide receivers. And we talked a little bit about A.J. Green and what, what we could expect, but I think this offense pretty much flourishes if we see a healthy A.J. Green. Because think about it. It's basically Joe Burrow is just going to be looking at his wide receivers because you look at the tight ends on their team, there's no Tyler Eifert anymore. I mean, C.J. Uzama is still there, but really, are you expecting anything out of C.J. Uzama? He's like at best going to give you eight points like on a, on a good day. And then at running back, you have Joe Mixon, who I feel like he's like that one running back in the draft that everybody just like shoves away and they're not even hyping. It's like they're, he's not considered like the top, like even in second tiers sometimes. But like if you have a healthy Joe Mixon, like that guy could easily get close to average up to 10 to 12 fantasy points a game. And he might not even need to score a touchdown. Like, this guy gets yards, and he's able to get receptions off out of the backfield. Like, this is exactly the kind of team that we're looking at. The potential for this offense is incredible, which is why I'm very high on drafting Burrow. If you're in, like, a 12-team league, you draft Burrow as your main quarterback and then have, like, a veteran as a backup and then just, like, get whatever Bengals receiver you can because I really do think that this offense is going to catch on, especially if we expect that this defense is going to hold a lot of leads. Right, right. I agree. I agree. But I also think that uh, with the tight end here, you know, like rookie quarterbacks, they need that safe guy. They need – I think tight ends are so valuable to rookie quarterbacks. It's like they rely on them because they – do simple routes where it's not too crafty, it's not too over the top, where some quarterbacks, when they're struggling with confidence, they don't want to throw the ball, especially when they're getting picked off left and right. So I think Drew Sample, CJ Uzama, uh, Uzama uh, I think it, it's not a – I won't say he's there the fantasy focus, but late in the draft, if you do pass on a tight end, why not, I, I guess, as a backup, you know? Um, but my fantasy guy on the Bengals is probably Joe Mixon. Uh, if you're looking for prime Le'Veon Bell 2.0, but not really Le'Veon, it's Joe Mixon. He catches everything. He's really good uh, carrying the ball. I think some injuries on the line kind of dampered uh, his production last year because they had Jonah Williams as a first-round pick uh, tackle, and he tore his leg up, I believe. So um, he's back. And and they also signed um I forgot who it was but uh they they signed a guy I think a guard so it's like they revamped their O line a little bit and gotten healthy again so Joe Mixon I expect big things from him maybe he makes that push to tier late tier one early tier two fantasy running back I think he possessed the skills especially if you're in a PPR league where receptions matter especially with running backs you know so he's barely gonna be taken off the field now. They do have Gio Bernard back there, who's going to probably steal some carries and steal some snaps. But in the long run, I, I still like Joe Mixon. Do you think that they're going to hit their over-under of 5.5? Because you look at the schedule right now, they're facing the this the AFC North this year will be facing the AFC South and the NFC North. So this, this division being able to hit their over, be, like if the worst team could finish 6-10 and 10 at best, is essentially what I'm saying. With the Bengals, there's a possibility that they could definitely hit the over but still suck. So I think that with given how exciting this offense could be, I think that, that this is a team that I don't think they're they're gonna be able to hit their under hit their over of five point five, but I do still think that they could really put the scare in a lot of people. And I think less teams are gonna less betters are going to Go after the over on the, go after the over on this team. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think I believe they're gonna go the over. I think six and ten is probably where I would pick put them. Uh, but I can understand why because their schedule is really not favorable because it's a rookie quarterback and you haven't seen any of these guys play yet. There's no preseason. Zach Taylor, you know, 
a lot of people national-wise haven't watched the Bengals play last year, so they don't know their offense. But it's going to be a, a big mystery, just like every other team. But just looking at this on paper, I can see six wins. Um, they do face the AFC South. The AFC South is really bad. Uh, they just, I don't know, like some teams in the AFC South just find a way to, to look good every single year. Um but I think the Bengals have a solid defense, and they're going to have a decent offense to where it wouldn't shock me if they win six games. Now, more than six, I, I, that'll shock me. But I, I can see six games. It's a rookie quarterback. It's a new system. It's a new team. It's it's just I, I can't see them being 5-11 and 11 and a 4-12. Like, it's just it, – it'll be hard because they have a really favorable schedule. They're going to split – I think with Cleveland, uh, their division, I think they'll probably get swept by the Ravens and Steelers. But everyone else, um, they like they have the Washington football team on the schedule. They have the Giants. They have the Dolphins. They have teams that they can actually probably go against and win. They have the Jaguars. They they, they got five six wins right here. Yeah, there's a path to like seven wins. I'm 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 just looking at it like Jaguars winnable. Browns winnable. They can even sweep the Browns just to embarrass them, really. Like, it's very much possible. So that's like two, three wins right there. Um, Washington's four. Dolphins, five. And I would say the Texans are six. And then Cowboys and Giants. That's like, there's a pathway to seven to eight wins. And if they get on a, get something going, that they could easily just go, go down and just say, hey, we're here. We're just going to mosey on over. And now I'm just very curious because let's. I think that we go into our next team. By the way, speaking of the Browns, let's go to let's go to them. Let's go. Win total for the Browns is eight point five, and the big storyline for this team. I know that eight point five. I'm scared too. That made me really scared. I don't, and I'm staying the hell away from this team. <laughs> the big storyline for this team is can Kevin Stefanski fix this team because no other nobody up no other coach has tried and they've all they've all tried they've all failed and the big question is can Kevin Stefanski who comes from Mike Zimmer's from Mike Zimmer Minnesota could he be the savior for the Browns and just help fix everything of about this team Oh man, yeah. I think uh, they got too excited last year. They were a little over their heads. They got they, they started believing in their own hype and uh, was very public about it, you know. And that's one thing you don't want to do. I think in the famous words of uh, players that played for Bill Belichick, is like, "Hey, don't give Bill any uh, bulletin board material," you know. Like it's just you you just don't want that. And Baker Mayfield really started it off. And I think last year. Everyone hyped them up, and I got—I understood the talent. But one thing that everybody ignored was the coaching. Like we don't know what it looks like. They don't have, you know, John Harbaugh back there. They don't have Bill Parcells. They don't have the coaching where you're saying, "All right, I believe this team." They just had Baker and Odell and Jarvis and Miles Garrett, and it was just like, "Yeah, they got the talent. They're gonna win it all. They're gonna meet the Patriots in the AFC Championship." But uh, they really plundered you know they just went downhill spiral um so i think this year we're gonna see a, a more humble browns team i, I think we're gonna see a swaggerless browns team where they're gonna try to be all about business they're not gonna be memes and and funny post-game pressers they're just gonna be a humble team where they're gonna have to feel like they're grinding for it and new head coach uh, just it's, it's just the whole new environment. I think uh, in Cleveland they got their GM situated. It's just it's, I think it's a better team overall. Now that eight and a half wins we'll talk about in a second, but uh, I, I like this team. Though. I like them. I guess coming back as a humble team. I think one of the subplots, and I agree with you, and you touched upon this very quickly, which is will we see a a uh, very more humble Baker Mayfield because that's the thing. Like I compared Baker Mayfield to Jay Cutler. The 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 path, the trajectory that he's going on could easily see him having Jay Cutler's career. Because think about it this way. This guy could easily just be mediocre. He could easily 
but still garner that press because like the media just doesn't like him the same way that the media never likes Jay Cutler. But it's just for different reasons, basically. People hated like Jay Cutler because he was smug, aloof, and he just looked down on people. Like the whole facial expression told you everything. And then you look at Baker, and I just think that he's all up in your face. He's too confident, too cocky. Like, and you're basically, everyone's telling you, just like, come on, dude, settle down, settle down. You've done nothing yet. Let, let's see you bring the Browns to the playoffs first, and then you can talk. It, it's all that jazz. And then another subplot that I think is Odell Beckham, if it doesn't work in Cleveland, what's next for him? Oh, uh, man, Odell's going to always have a team. Um, deal not that long ago so he's kind of stuck in cleveland i believe for the next few years without any cap uh penalties for the browns and things like that so he, he's not going anywhere i don't think they're going to try to trade him uh if they would trade anyone first it would probably be jarvis landry just because his contract is more movable but uh i, I think they're going to keep those two in cleveland for the next at least two two years at least uh but yeah baker i think you're right i think he, it's a little bit of a a combination, like the Jay Cutler attitude, the smug, I'm better than everyone, I don't care about your opinion type attitude. But also, I see a little bit of Matt Stafford in Baker. Like, he's going to air the ball out. He's going to throw it. <laughs> he's going to try to get everyone involved, multiple touch, touchdowns. But I also think that he didn't win anything. He came in like, I'm that guy, and I'm – you know, number one pick. It's like, bro, bro, you didn't win anything. You didn't do anything yet. And that's total opposite of what Joe Burrow is now. Like, you don't hear nothing out of the, the Bengals camp. So it's like now he has to just really dial in and get the work done because I feel like he's going to be around for a long time. Like, Baker has that quarterback, NFL quarterback talent where he's going to be around. Maybe it won't be the Browns his whole career, but he's going to be around. And I think – uh this is a big year for him. I think, like I said with uh, Sam Darnold when we did our AFC East preview, like this is a big bear for a uh, big year for both quarterbacks. They have to take that next step. And uh, Baker has more talent around him. And let's see how he does with it. I'm very curious to see what happens with him. And I'm hoping that we will see Baker step up because I also like mentioned this, like maybe being drafted first overall was the worst thing to happen to him. Because, like, he, Baker is, like, a, a he wears a heart-on-his-sleeve kind of guy. And he needs, like, bulletin board material. He needs to be, always have a chip on his shoulder constantly. And he, let's say in this universe, he's drafted in the spot Lamar Jackson is drafted, was drafted in at 32. And he's taken by the Baltimore Ravens. You don't think that John, you, you it's like, you do not think. It's like, you don't think that John Harbaugh, it would be revving up the cell whole things like 31 teams passed on you and we are the ones the only ones who believed in you or even if like let's say he just missed the first round and the browns still had a chance to draft him at like th with their 33rd pick or something like you don't think that that would just keep him motivated for the entirety because I, I didn't actually – I thought about this a little bit because, like, most of the star quarterbacks, a lot of them, they're not first overall pick quarterbacks. Like, the only ones that really just – at least in, in our recent memory over this past decade was Cam and the Manning brothers. That's pretty much it. And then everybody else was just – they were drafted either 10th, 12th, mid-round, late-round – it, like or they were just passed all like Aaron Rodgers historically we all know the story the guy was clear cut the best quarterback of his class but he got passed on for some godforsaken reason and it took up to twenty plus picks until he was drafted by the Packers he waited two three years for his not learning under Brett Favre and then he turns out to be one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen so I just think that you it really Baker could have really used like an opportunity to have that chip on his shoulder and maybe that would have just pushed him to overdrive yeah 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 and I, I i agree and i think the main point with baker is his his head was too big a little bit because if you remember he was a walk-on in college i think in college he was like from like a recruit he was like ranked 40 something 42 43 in the country you know, Sam Darnold, Josh, like Sam Darnold was the guy, he went to USC, you know, it, 
and, and Baker transferred from, I believe, Texas Tech to Oklahoma. So it's like Baker had that chip. And when he became that guy at Oklahoma, you remember like all the stories from Baker and just the, just everything with showboating and things like that. He had like a little Manziel-esque type thing going on in Oklahoma. He gets picked number one overall, and it's like he just catapulted to where he's bigger than, I guess, the team. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you need to humble yourself. You need to really grind now because these are professional guys. These are not your former classmates you're going against. Like, these are professional NFL players, and they're not going to tolerate. They're not going to let you score on them, you know. And it's not going to be as simple. But I think that uh, with Baker, it's just – can he get the people around him to believe in him as well? You know, he has the talent. Uh, I, I think he has the best, one of the best running backs in the league on his team. Uh, two of them, actually. So it, it's like, dude, like, just win, you know, and, and stop with the silly turnovers. I'm glad you mentioned the running backs because that, to me, is our fantasy spotlight with Nick Chubb. This guy, yes, he's sharing a backfield with the Korean Pump, but I truly believe that at the end of this year, if – Given that Kevin Stefanski came from a Mike Zimmer who, let's not forget, had basically made Dalvin Cook an even bigger super fantasy star than he already was last year. Let's look at Nick Chubb. And this guy is way more talented than a running back than Dalvin Cook. Like, like no, I, I, I didn't even watching the tape i i actually watched tape with nick chubb during the pandemic and i was just like wow this guy has everything all the tools to be the number one running back in the league and this this is someone that they drafted in the mid-round like they drafted him i think in the second round like a few years ago and i just think to myself if they could if they just establish the run and they just say, hey, hey, Nick, here's the ball. Run it down their throats. Then I could easily see the Browns. That's like a great way for them to really get going. But also, Nick Chubb right now is being drafted around the same round as, as guys like Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, and Clyde Edwards, Harrier. Like in that second, I would say the real second tier of running backs. Because after Dalvin Cook, those are the guys that come afterwards. And all of them have a case to be a, a running back one, but you'd feel a lot safer if they were your second running back available, especially if you're in an A-team league where you could easily just pair like a Christian McCaffrey with a Nick Chubb or a Josh Jacobs or a Joe Mixon. So to you, do you think that Nick Chubb could make the step and he could join the likes of McCaffrey, Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think the reason why Chubb value in fantasy is hurt is only because of Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt kind of started getting into the mix more mid-season, late-season last year and uh, took carries away, especially at the goal line roughly. And uh, and they also uh, had them both on the field at the same time, and a lot of it was like a decoy. Like, I'm not going to use Chubb. I'm going to go to Hunt, who lined up, and vice versa. I think uh, – I think that's the only reason why he's not considered up there with Zeke and 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 uh, McCaffrey and pretty much in fantasy. Uh, but I think Chubb, like I said, RB one. Uh, I think he was. What did he have? I think he was second in yards last year rushing, um, behind Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry just went off. I think late last year. So uh, I, I think Chubb Chubb is the guy. I personally think uh, he's my favorite running back. Uh, going into 2020, um, because he's he breaks off big runs and it's like, it's not even close. Sometimes it's like he he goes after it, and I think he's just he's just better. He's just better. And Kareem Hunt, I think while he may also play more in passing downs and uh, take targets away, and that could have been Nick Chubb carries. I think Nick Chubb is a solid choice if you're looking for RB1. He's going to get you touchdowns. He's going to get you yards. I think PPR, he's going to get a lot of uh, screens. So so why not? So let's wrap up with the Browns. 8.5. I'm going to still say under. I, have, I still have questions on their defense because, yes, you, have, you still have Miles Garrett, but there's some parts of that defense that I still have some questions on because – 
even last year we thought, oh, these guys are going to be world beaters. Yeah, and stuff like that. But it's, I don't know. I just don't think, even if they retooled on their defense, I still just don't have the confidence in them. And no matter how much they've done for the offense, and, and I'm looking at this right now, we completely glanced over the fact that they signed Austin Hooper and they also helped to bolt their offensive line with signings like Jack Conklin, drafting Jedrick Wills. I just think that it's still a kind of sort of a feeling out process. And you also have to keep in mind that, you know, Stefanski doesn't have a preseason to implement everything. So I think the Browns are going to be a little slow. I'm going to, I don't think they're going to win more, more than nine games. Yeah. 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 And just, and also uh, they just pretty much, uh, I don't, I don't want to say they lost Mac Wilson, but he went down with an injury. They still waiting on that. I think he's going to miss time. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's an ACL tear or anything like that, but it sounds like there's other ligaments that were damaged. Um, so he's going to miss time on their defense, but, uh, I, I see eight wins, honestly. And football, like I said, it, sometimes the ball bounces another way where they can end up 10 wins, and you're like, how did that happen, you know? But I, I think eight wins. Looking at their schedule, it's not – I want I want to say it's not a dominating schedule early on, but at the same time, I can see some winnable some, some winnable games. And I, I don't see more than – nine games I, I, it's just hard for me to say that it's just because i know how inconsistent this team can be and with a new head coach it's like you don't know yet we haven't had any preseason we don't know what this offense going to look like how they're going to move the ball are they going to go through chubb or are they going to be very uh pro passing so well we'll have to see their defense really doesn't scare me um they did sign uh draft grant delpit who was one of my favorite uh safeties i wish my team would have drafted him but uh i think he had like a really bad 2019 but uh it, it's just one of those things where i can see eight games looking at their schedule and nine again nine ten that's pushing it but you never know it's football let's go to the steelers who have a win total of 9.5 9.5 is their win total last year was very wonky for them because, yes, they lost Big Ben after the second game of the season. And they had complete hell all over their quarterback situation at that point. Because you had guys like Mason Rudolph and then Devlin Hodges run under center. And then the whole offense was just anemic throughout the rest of the season. But something shocking happened where their defense really stepped up for them and got them a a ton of the games that they won were because of the defense. Like, I'll give you an example. The Rams game was basically won by that defense of Minka Fitzpatrick. When they made that trade and traded their first-round pick for him, their defense just went a sale to another level. And you're looking at it, too, because, like, their defense right now is one of the top two defenses drafted in, the fir- in fantasy. But the biggest storyline by far for this team is, can Big Ben make that rebound after going down with an injury because we know that big Ben can still throw, can still throw well. We just need to know whether he can still do it consistently. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know, man. Big Ben is older now, man. He's drafted in what? 2004. We're at 2020. We've seen all the greats decline. Uh, he just coming off an elbow injury. He missed pretty much the entire season last year. It's, uh, man, I don't know. I I wish we had a preseason ball to see Big Ben because I haven't heard anything out of camp where he's shining, he's back to his old self. I haven't seen it. Um, could be happening. They're just probably keeping, you know, keeping it mum for a little bit. Um, I, I like Mason Rudolph. I think he was thrown into the fire a little bit. I don't think he was really ready. But at the same time, I don't think the team should give up on him. I think he was drafted relatively high still. I think his third round a couple years back. Uh, but we'll see. Big Ben, he's back. Um, we we Last year, we kind of said, hey, who are their wide receivers? You know, maybe Big Ben makes a difference, and he actually incorporates Jane Washington more and Deontay Johnson more besides Juju. And I think Juju's coming up in a contract year. So it's going to be interesting how that plays out. Uh, their defense, like you said, they – Last year, it was just crazy how good they were after the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Like, they were locked down secondary 
uh, their pass rush. T.J. Watt took a step. Devin Bush took a step. It's just they, their defense was solid. And I think for this com- upcoming season, their defense is going to still be the same. Uh, I don't think there's any rookies starting. So it's just going to be a vet team, a good, a really good tough team on defense. And uh, they added Eric Ebron on tight end and offense. So it's another uh, red zone target. It's a big guy. Uh, who, I think they drafted uh, Chase Claypool, another red zone target. So guarantee when they get into the red zone, there's a good chance they're not settling for three. They have big bodies out there. And I, I don't know, like, I think you mentioned their over-under was what? You said uh, eight or nine? 9.5. Nine? Ah, we'll, we'll have to look at the schedule. I'm, I'm really hesitant to give them that, especially in that division. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I like them, though. I, I, I really like this team. I think it's a vet team. They're coming in for blood. They're healthy, and they're just going to uh, play really well on both sides of the ball. You know what I really like about the Steelers, and I'm glad we touched on the defense a little bit, is – do you think the steel curtain is back? Because I think the identity they've switched over the past decade was this is an offense, offensive identity team. You had guys like Big Ben, like churning out different receivers, like guys like Mike Wallace, Antonio Holmes, and you see Emmanuel Sanders, and then Antonio Brown, and then Juju Smith-Schuster. Like this really was like a team that was. Fun to watch on offense, but their defense went from being the steel curtain defense led by guys like James Harrison and Troy Polamalu to like just kind of a mediocre defense. But now that their defense is all was really the main reason that they were able to win all those games, you look at their defense, as you said, very veteran driven. They also, you mentioned guys like TJ Watt stepping up, Devin Bush stepping up, but they also have. Like they still have, a, they've always had an amazing defensive line led by Cameron Hayward and uh, Stefan Tuitt. They did lose Hargrave last. They do lose Hargrave, but I still think that this defense is going to be the same. Do you think like the Steelers have a better shot at a Super Bowl if they go back to being like this defensive identity team that they were a decade ago? Of course, of course, and you, you have a coaching staff and, and a quarterback that's been there. They know how, how it gets done, and I think they do. If their defense is up to par with the rest of the division, like the Ravens, and like I, 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 I won't say the Bengals and Browns just yet, but I think the Ravens is probably their, you know, the number one target, and I guess you could say the Chiefs too, but let's just keep it within division of – I think that defense is just the best defense right now. It's all around at every level. Yeah, they lost Javon Hargrave, who was probably a, a big part of its success in recent years. But Chris Wormley is no slouch. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they they have great linebackers too, and they have a, a good shutdown defense um, secondary. So, I mean, why not? Why not? They they don't really win with those young guys. Like you mentioned, like uh, James Harrison and Troy Palomalo. It's just different. Like they need to get back to that time where they can rely on the vets to get it done. And I think the Steelers have a chance. I think they really do. I think uh, Mike Tomlin's going to get them to that to that point again. And they're honestly my favorite in the North. Let's go to fantasy spotlight right now. We talked. We touched a little bit on Juju Smith-Schuster. You did the contract thing was like I that's something that's news to me because I didn't actually think of that as well because I've been hovering on Juju Smith Schuster as my wide as the second receiver that I would draft in an eight team league, but this is someone that could easily be drafted as your wide receiver one in like a ten team, twelve team league. Do you have confidence that he's gonna be able to bounce back? Because it sucked last year to watch him because he was clearly struggling with like different quarterbacks that that were chucking balls at him. And none of them were able to do what Big Ben could do for him. And I think it was also the fact that he was adjusting to being the, the number one receiver on the team. Because remember, the reason we loved Juju was because like he was the guy, like if Antonio Brown was covered, Big Ben would always go for him. And he was always matched up against the second cornerback. Now he's being matched up with, with the main, the top quarterback of every team. And it's just, is he going to be able to adjust? I think year two is like the best best case for is he can he be the number one guy the number one option of the team 
Oh, man. And that's why I, I don't hate Juju. Like, I really don't. But I see through the act where I don't think he's a number one wide receiver. And it's okay. Like, you can be a great number two. It's okay. Like, we can talk about, like, DeAndre Hopkins and all the quarterbacks he went through. But he still put up numbers. <laughs> you know, I think Juju, his attitude is different towards the game. If you see him a lot on social media and things of that nature, it's he just wants to have fun. Like, that's all he says all the time for the past two or three years. He just wants to have fun. Remember the story? I think he just rides his bike to the stadium all the time. And he does everything different. And Antonio Brown was the guy that was like, I'm going to get my work in. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the best wide receiver in the game. Like, Juju, his mindset is always play, play, play. I don't think he has that mentality of I'm going to be the number one guy out here. I'm going to make a difference out here. So, to me, personally, I like I like Juju as a number two. Now, will the other guys step up and be a number one? I doubt it. But for this season, contract year, Juju's probably the best option for fantasy on this football team. Uh, James uh, James Conner, Jalen Samuel, Benny Snell, they're, I don't think they're that number one team. But uh, Juju, I mean, number one uh, option. But Juju, I think he's just very, like, dynamic, very dynamic. He finds the end zone. He, he'll make good plays. I think Big Ben will love to be back with him. But, ah, man, it, I don't think he's a number one receiver. <laughs> Let's go quickly over to the like, the running backs because, you know, James Conner, he was banged up last year. You had guys like Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell pop up all over the place. And now they drafted Anthony McFarland from Maryland. Is the Steelers, are they going to go through this running back by committee? Because, you know, the Steelers with Bell, they've always been like, Bell's our guy. We're just going to keep going and going and only get a spell and when he really needs a breather. But now I'm starting to think that they have all these running backs. Why not just do a running back by committee? And that could be really problematic for fantasy football players. I think they have to. Because uh, James Conner, it's like the injuries. Like, you really just can't. Like, if you would draft James Conner, you almost have to handcuff Jalen Samuels. Oh, Benny Snell. Like, you don't know yet. And Anthony McFarlane, you just don't know. So there's so many options. Just like in, a, let's say, San Francisco, it's just so many options where you might just grab the wrong guy, but it could just be the wrong guy for that week. So it'll be a week-to-week thing. I think James Conner is their starting running back, but I don't think he's going to get the most of the load every single week because he's kind of, I won't say injury prone, but he kind of got dinged up at the wrong times for a lot of fantasy football owners last year and the last couple of years, right? So I think uh, it's hard to pick one guy. It'll be a running back by committee for sure. Um, But if you have to pick a guy, of course, it'll be James Conner. But I really highly suggest if you do, you make sure you grab a handcuff because uh, those injuries add up. And sometimes, like Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell, they will play the passing game more than James Conner. Will they hit their win total of 9.5? I'm going to say under just because we're not, there's still questions with Big Ben's arm. And the defense will win them a handful of games, but I worry about their offense not doing enough to really capitalize on the defense, on a defensive effort. That's the only concern that I have. And this, this line is very, it's conflicting because if you go for the over, you're basically saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly think they're going to reach that win mark. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, Again, my question is, is how healthy big Ben is. How good is he? You know, can he really get it done? Because I won't say he was seeing ghosts a couple years ago, but uh, he, you know, the fake retirement comment that he said during the season, like he doubted himself. It's right there in front of everyone's eyes where he he didn't think he could do it anymore because of how good the Jaguars defense was affecting him that season. But this year, you know, he had a year removed away from football. So this year is like a kind of a make or break year, like, how much time does he have left? Father time is undefeated, right? So nine wins. I can see nine wins. I can see close to ten wins looking at their schedule. Like when they first start the season against the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Titans. I can see a 4-0 start. This defense is not going to lay down for any of one of those teams. 
you know, it, it could get rocky against Philadelphia, Cleveland, Baltimore, because those two teams are division games. Uh, they could start off real hot. It depends on what kind of Big Ben we get, because I believe their defense alone can beat those first four teams. So I, I could see nine wins in their future. They go against the AFC South. So I could see them sweeping the South, and they also have the Bills on the schedule. It's Bengals twice. You know, I can see nine wins. I think they're my favorite for the division, personally. But, yeah, do you think that they're going to win, like, ten games, though? That's the thing. And it it, de- it depends. Uh, it Like, they'll probably split against the Ravens, of course. Uh, there's no really other team I can say that maybe the Cowboys will could beat the Steelers at, in Dallas, but I can see ten wins. I, I really can. I really can. All right. Like they have the Washington football team on a schedule. It, it's, it's 10 wins. It's a 10-win team. All right, let's finally go to the Baltimore Ravens, who presumably number one team in the league in the AFC last year. Win total 11.5. That means that you're expecting this team to once again make the run as the number one seed, getting that 12 wins. The biggest storyline has to be by far, given what hap- how their season ended last year, did the Titans provide a blueprint to stopping the Ravens? Oof, that's that's a big one, but uh, I think so. I think so. I think they contained Lamar. They uh, told him to throw it. <laughs> he missed a lot of nice passes. They had some drops, but um, I think they contained him a little bit. I mean, the the the, the, the books is out now. Like, let's see if the Ravens can adjust now. You know, and um. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this year is going to be an interesting year. Can Lamar take that next step? Uh, can, I guess, the running game be as good as it was? Can the wide receivers step up? I know they drafted a couple guys, and uh, their defense kind of got a makeover. Uh, big story this past weekend was the release of Oral Thomas. So we'll see. Uh, it's it's really hard. That win total is very high, but I think they can achieve it. But I also can see how if they struggle. It'll be up to Lamar Jackson. I think one of the subplots here is uh, how. So here's the question of it's not if it's not a question of if I think it's a question of when and how. How is the how is the Madden curse going to dis- to wreck Lamar Jackson this year? <laughs> well, I mean, can we really count on it? Because Mahomes did some magical stuff and he was on the cover. So let's let's if the curse could you know still be a, a, a thing. Um, I don't know. It's normally an injury, right? I think. Yeah, and di- or, I think uh, didn't Lamar like news came out that he's dealing with some groin issues in camp. Yep. It's already starting. It's already happening. And, and by the way, I know that everyone's going to use that excuse of well, Patrick Mahomes wasn't affected by, it. but Patrick Mahomes is a different quarterback. He's on another level than everybody else. It's like he's <laughs> so special, he's so great that even the Madden curse couldn't touch him. And we've seen the Madden curse destroy careers, destroy people. Like the Madden curse tried to get him with the kneecap issue, but they didn't know that he heals himself and he doesn't really get broken kneecaps. <laughs> no, like no like Patrick Holmes, you're not gonna do that. But here's the thing, like Lamar Jackson, like I think could suffer the same fate of Michael Vick. Like Mm-hmm. He could easily just kind of like fall apart or some or some in some way, shape, or form. I I believe in that that '04 season, Michael Vick kind of just fell off a little, fell off, or like I think he was dealing with injuries. I can't really go back in time to really remember what exactly happened to Michael Vick. All I know is that he was affected by the Madden curse, and mm-hmm. despite the fact that he was on the cover for the best Madden game probably ever. Like, 04 and 05 are, like, the best Madden games. I know we're going off topic, but I just, like, need to get this out. I need to get this out because 04 and 05 was, like, peak Madden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it it just changed. I think that's when, like, Xbox and the new gen systems were coming out. So it was just, like, it was different. Like, the whole experience was different. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think Lamar, his game resembles Vicks in a sense of – getting out the pocket, throwing on a run, uh, making, you know, rushing for so many yards. But there's a uh, a downside to that. You will get hit. You will get hit. And you're not going to sustain that type of play over six, 17 games now, right? Uh, 
and and be healthy every week. And you're going to have to switch up your game. Mike Vick didn't switch up his game until the injury set in. So uh, Lamar has a chance. He has he, like he has a chance to really prevent that. But we'll have to see. The Madden curse is real. <laughs> um, I think uh, he, he just has to really play smarter and hopefully become a quarterback where he can stay in a pocket and also escape in a pocket when needed, not when it's like mandatory when he has to escape just to – look flashy or make some some nice plays because you risk an injury <laughs> especially guys that that's out there i just really want to put a hit on you yeah i i agree with that sense i agree i here's my thing with uh with lamar is that i'm just trying to think to myself like this guy is i i look i i'm just trying to think to myself because like the injuries are, are an issue, but I just it's a little different because I think Lamar has like a better mindset and he's in a like a much better coaching situation because you know John Harbaugh like this is a coach that basically looked at his offense. He looked at the guy that they drafted at quarterback and said, "Huh, maybe why can't why don't I just switch everything and just rebuild my entire offense so that I can maximize on everything that my rookie quarterback that I drafted is good at." You saw what they were able to do last year. Like they ran a lot more, and they were doing a lot of different stuff that you, a lot of different things to really help Lamar. Like they really brought back the thirteen personnel, and I've been obsessed with the thirteen personnel for the entire summer, because they <laughs> kept using guys like Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Hayden Hurst, and they were using three tight end sets, and it really helped them because it provides that extra protection. And Lamar has like extra safety valves, and then like this is a this is a team that really just understood what their quarterback was great at, and they just said let's make let's just lean into that, let's lean into it. So my I think my actual subplot aside for the Madden curse, which by the way destroyed Peyton Hillis and Antonio Brown, just just putting it out there, and I know it's obvious, but just putting it out there. Do you think that we're going to see a lot more teams copy what the Ravens did? Uh, not really, not really, because I don't think uh, like Lamar Jackson is a different breed. Uh, like Patrick Mahomes is a different breed. It, both can coexist. Uh, but I also think that the way the Ra- the Ravens are going to take that next step is by their defense, and they had to retool some spots because they lost a lot of guys uh, past couple years on defense. Um. So they acquired Calais Campbell. They got Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison out there. Derek Wolf signed. It's just it's a whole revamped defense, and I think they want that. They want to be that vet team where it's like of the past where they were dominant with you know Ray Lewis, T. Sizzle, and guys like that. Uh, it's just they have to get their defense back to form because I believe in their offense personally. They have uh, Mark Ingram. They have uh, just drafted J.K. Dobbins. So it's like they have the running game. And if you include Lamar in that running game, too, they have a dominant running game. Now it's the wide receivers. How will they take that next step? Because we see Willie Sneed drop some balls in the playoff games, and you're like, hold up. (laughs) We didn't see that all year. And you have Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay just got drafted, who's one of my favorite wide receivers in this class, Uh, Miles Boykin. And, And then they have some of the best. Of uh, O-line, Ronnie Stanley is probably a top 10 left tackle in his game. Orlando Brown, everyone laughed at him because of his combine numbers. Now he's one of the better right tackles in the game. You know, I think they, they lost uh, the guard. Uh, Yanda. He just retired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they just – but they I think their offense is fine. It's up to their defense now. Let's go to – let's – Let's go to the fantasy focusing him because, like, you touched on the receivers. I just think that the problem with the Ravens is that they don't have, like, an elite option. Like, who is the guy that's catching the ball for Lamar Jackson? Like, could you imagine if somebody like Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas was on this team? This team would be unstoppable. Like, you wouldn't yep. do anything. Like, But the problem is that they don't have consistent wide receivers yet. And you're hoping that maybe DuVernay is going to be that guy that's going to step in and say, I'm the number one receiver I'm going to be the guy that if there's a third and seven, I'm getting that eight-yard catch to get the first down and keep the chains moving. And then another question with their fantasy focus is that, or, you know, putting the spotlight on it is J.K. Dobbins. Is he going to be the lead back? Because we know Mark Ingram's getting up there. And 
the only other running backs that are there are Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, and I just you're not trusting either of those two with the lead role. Do you think that J.K. Dobbins could be the lead guy sooner rather than later? Uh, honestly, I think it's going to be later rather than sooner. I think uh, Mark Ingram is going to be that guy uh, when we snap the ball in a few weeks. Uh, but Dobbins is going to be in that offense a lot. Um, the reason why I say that is because it hasn't been any preseason games. There hasn't been any live games where you can say, all right, I know how to use him. You, I think a lot of these coaches, especially vet coaches, they're going to go with their veterans first. They're going to say, I know what this guy is going to give me. And we're going to slowly get our guys, our young guys, into the fold. So Dobbins, by the end of this year, I can see uh, Dobbins out snapping Ingram a lot uh, because he probably plays more, uh, you know, passing uh, better. I think he plays uh, – and I, I think he's going to actually get a chance to carry the team. So um, I think Dobbins is going to be that guy. Um yeah, like you said, they don't have a number one wide receiver yet. I think Devin Duvernay right now probably projects as a slot wide receiver. Uh, his speed is probably some of the best. I think Hollywood Brown is probably the best speedster, Miles Boykin as well. But uh, Devin is—he he got a different level, a different a different gear rather. Um, but my fantasy focus is uh, Lamar Jackson. You know what he's going to do with his feet. You know he's going to get three, four touchdowns a game probably. So whether it's running or passing, um, and that's the risk I like. Um, probably a nice second, maybe third-round fantasy option um, because I, th- I think Mahomes is probably the only number one quarterback that you could take in the first round. Uh, but you, you can't go wrong. He does it all. Now, I think his numbers will drop a bit because, like I said, I think they're going to try to change his game, tr- kind of control, you know, the narrative of him possibly getting hurt. So they're going to actually have him throw more. And um, we'll see. We'll see if it works or if they just unleash him and let him do his thing again. I think it's problematic as a, as wide receiving core. If you, if the tight ends, like even their, like the second or third tight end, third string tight ends have more focus than you do. Like they ha- yeah. they're much more in priority of the receiving pecking order than you. Like guys like Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Well, that hearse is gone, so we'll see what happens after. Andrews, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Now Andrews and Nick Boyle. And Andrews is an interesting, like, that's someone I really want to highlight because he's in that weird zone where he's not an elite option yet. He's not up in the Kelsey, Kittle range or Ertz range, but he could very easily could be because he was Mark ja- I mean Lamar Jackson's favorite target last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 no. It, it, I guess, like I said, man, young quarterbacks, they love their tight ends, and uh, we'll see. I, I like Mark Andrews. I think he's a, a solid option, especially in uh, play-action plays. I think uh, Nick Boyle as well. Um, but we'll see. I think it's that's why with fantasy, especially with teams like these, where it's like there is no number one wide receiver, you have to be careful on picking the wrong guy because if Chris Moore is going to be you know, a steal – and goes off in a couple games, you're like, man, I really took Miles Boykin way too soon. I could have waited, you know? So you you have to really, um, I guess for this team, if we're not talking Lamar Jackson and, and the running back, I would say I would be more confident grabbing Mark, Andr- Mark Andrews probably more than half the other wide receivers. I mean, Marquise Brown is probably their number one if we're going off of just uh, experience and skill. But uh, I, I don't know. I think Mark Andrews is really going to, get a lot of touchdowns in that red zone. All right, let's wrap this up with the win total. I think they're going to hit it 12. I just think this team is going is way too dynamic. This coaching staff is way too experienced. They're going to base they have to defend defend the crown for the AFC North. It's going to be a lot more of a fight than last year, but I think that they're going they're going to be able to pull it off. I think um hmm. They're going to be a 10-win team. <laughs> you, oh, you're picking the under. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, they're gonna be a ten-win team. Uh, they they had the Chiefs on the schedule. You know, mm. I think they, they 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 I don't think they're gonna split. Um, they're gonna sweep the Steelers, right? And they also have some tough games like against Dallas, against Tennessee, who they're playing again. So twelve wins, eh, but ten or eleven is my my guess because I think uh. They, the, the, the book is out. They know how to play them. Um, if it's the, 
like if the Texans get them in week two, like I see a lot of games where the good teams lose early because they're still trying to catch their rhythm and still trying to get their juices flowing. I think the Texans could upset them then. Those type of games where you you think the Ravens should dominate. And then that next week they go into Kansas City. I mean, yeah, Kansas City and they could lose there, you know. So it's like I think uh the Ravens ten or eleven for me. I still like the Steelers to win the division. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me because the Ravens are still good. But I just don't know if they have that mojo from last year. It's the Madden curse. <laughs> Madden curse, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the over. I still think that they're going to be able to somehow pull it off. All right. So, we have the AFC West coming up. And uh, tune in for that. So, that's it for right now. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Spotify as well as anchor.fm. Thanks to you everyone for listening and I'll see you guys next time.